Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. Do, do I need a different tone of voice? Do I? Because it's, it's 10.03 p.m. Central Time. Do I need to transition into a kind of a, a late night voice? Do, to, be, to do a late night program, do you need to be more calm? more like NPR? Did, is that a, is that a, what's the NPR? They, they have the same kind of voice for morning, afternoon, or evening. So, so, but, but what, what, do I need to change the tone of my voice? I don't know, but welcome everyone. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, May the 27th, 2022. It is currently 10.03 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, what you're about to listen to is basically going to be a live on-air counseling session with myself. Okay, okay. Maybe that's a little dramatic. Maybe, maybe again, I'm being a little hyperbolic. I do love to use hyperbole. I love hyperbole. But um, yes, I'm. I have a problem. I have a. I have a. I, I'm. I, I need to just tell everyone. Yes, I have a problem. And I, I need to work through it live on the air, and maybe you can help me. Maybe maybe you can just, you know, I'll lay down on the couch. I don't have a couch here, but I'll just lay down on the floor with a microphone, and you can kind of be the, uh, the, the counselor. You can just listen to me, right? You can just be uh, the one that can try to help me with my problem. I have a problem, ladies and gentlemen. I have a serious problem. And if you could see my house right now, you would see the extent of that problem. In fact, my daughter walked in uh, earlier this evening and she walked in and she looked around and she's like, what is going on? I'm not going to mention her the exact words she said because it would give it away. I'll tell you about my problem in a minute. But And if you look at the table that I'm currently sitting at, you would be like, you've got a problem. And I, and I have a problem. And the problem is, ladies and gentlemen... The 30 life principles as taught by Charles Stanley. I know you're like, really? We're going to be talking about this again. I'm sorry. I've got to work through this. I've got to, I've got to work through it. Now, every, every episode where we've talked about these 30 life principles, I know they haven't been great episodes. I've been disappointed in them. You probably feel they're a waste of time. You may have already tuned out the minute I mentioned it, but I, I can't I can't stop myself. I have to talk about it. So let's let's go through this. Let me just once again, I don't remember when I was first when I first heard Charles Stanley talk about the 30 life principles. I think it was it was when he was teaching the series originally. And I was like, well, probably not originally. He probably taught it in the church originally. Originally, I don't know when it finally made it over to television slash radio slash podcast world. I don't know when it made that transition. But whenever it made it to TV, radio, I, I think maybe I saw it first before I heard it. I don't remember. Um, but, uh, well, yeah, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story about Charles Stanley in a minute that's, that's interesting. Now, and again, I have a long history kind of connection with Charles Stanley because I graduated from the Charles Stanley Institute of Christian Living, whatever their kind of Bible Institute was called. It no longer exists, but I graduated from it. I have the certificate somewhere with all of my other certificates and diplomas and things. But um, 
So I, so I, I, I know his teaching really, really well. So I don't know exactly when I came across this, maybe when I was a student in their, their Bible Institute, maybe, maybe that's when I came across it. But, but I remember when I first heard the 30 life principles concept, I was like, this is kind of cool. He's, he's going to give us these 30 life principles. And I've already talked about this and I'm like, you know, I want to write these principles down and, and I'm going to try to make these you know, life principles for me. But it's just from the very beginning, there was just some weird disconnect, right? Here's the 30 life principles. I can write down the, the life principles, but as I looked at each one, I would kind of like, well, wait a minute. What? I don't know if I even agree with that. What does that mean? And then when I, when I bought the book and the study guides and, and I started, you know, getting all of the material I could find, looking up the sermon notes online, just trying to get all of the material, I would be like, like, my my hands are hitting, like, here's the life principles, here's my hand. And instead of them, like, being open hands that come together, it would be like two fists colliding into each other. It just wouldn't, it just didn't seem to fit in my mind. And I could never really go, like, so, like, I don't know what you're trying to, like, because I don't like to just immediately be dismissive of something and say, well, you know what, I disagree, it's wrong, boom, I'm done. I always like to try to figure out, okay, so exactly what, like, I, I, I want to understand, right? I want to understand. So here, I mean... I don't agree with Charles Stanley's theology. I mean, basically semi-Pelagian, it clearly does not hold to a reform understanding of, of salvation. So there's much I disagree with, but he's been preaching for, you know, 50 something years. So I always try to have a respect for that. So I was like, these are life principles that he's been teaching basically in 50 years, you know, through 50 years of teaching. I want to at least hear it. I mean, it would be arrogant for me not to at least hear these life principles, but I just... I can, I've never been able to make them fit. It's like, that sounds good. And then I look at the scriptures that he uses for the life principles and I'm like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. So I don't remember what day it was. I don't even, like, I'm trying to formulate a timeline because there's been a lot of things that's happened that's had a mad, you know, big emotional impact on me. The shooting in Texas, the SBC report, just so many things. But somewhere in the midst of that, once again, oh, I think, I think I told you. Yeah, I think it was from a, um, a Christian Christian book distributor's little advertisement catalog that they sent. And there it was, 30 Life Principles. Yeah, if I remember correctly, that's, I got to try to put the timeline back together because there's been a lot of things happening in the world. But I saw that and I was like, okay, I'm going to pull up those 30 Life Principles and I'll just, I'll just give everyone, I'll just go through them. Hey, on one episode, here's five. The next episode, here's five. Not really say much about them. And that'll be kind of interesting. But once again, the minute I kind of started trying to lay them out, all of those feelings again of like, man, I, on one hand, I want to, I want to say these are good. On the other hand, I can't agree with them. And it just, well, at that point, everything started spiraling out of control. So the next thing I did, I went and found, <laughs> you should see the house. I found every book, everything that I have ever written by Charles Stanley, and they're scattered everywhere. I've got study guides. I've got books. I think I even pulled out things from the Bible Institute. I got stuff everywhere. So my 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 daughter walked in the house and she looked around. She's like, are we having like a Charles Stanley marathon? What's going on? You've got stuff everywhere. And I'm like, I just, I just I'm grabbing everything. I, I downloaded the InTouch app. And where on the InTouch app, you have the Charles Stanley radio. And I've been like all night just listening to, to go, just tapping on Charles Stanley radio and just listening to 
20, basically all night, just listening to one sermon after another sermon, after another sermon, after another sermon, after another sermon, after another sermon. And I don't know what I'm hoping for. I don't know if I'm waiting for that magic, like, I got it. The, the, the epiphany happens. The light bulb comes on. And I'm like, I got, I understand it now. I understand the life principles. And then I could run back to the microphone and go, okay, everyone, remember those 30 life principles that I can't quite figure out? I figured them out. It's, it's this, this is the key. And well, that hasn't really happened. I, I've got notebook here full of, of sermon notes. Okay. I've been taking good sermon notes, but, um, and, and, and in many cases, um, I I still am finding things that I, I disagree with, but it, it's just been crazy. And I don't even know why I'm pulling out all the books. I mean, I've got, uh, you see, what is this? Living Close to God. What do I have here? Uh, what is this? I got books everywhere. I'm just grabbing the ones close to me. Uh, Pathways to His Presence. And then I got, I have the workbook for this, Landmines and the Path of a Believer. But that's another one that I I... Wow, we could have a long history with that. But, um, and then I've got, I don't know, I, I would have to get up and go walk around and grab all of them. And there's a bunch downstairs and, and there's a bunch at the church. I, they're just everywhere because I've just like, I don't know what I'm, I'm trying to find the answer. I, I don't like when I can't figure something out. It's like 30 life principles should be very straightforward and the scripture to support your principles should be very straightforward and very obvious. And if I'm looking at the scripture you're giving me to support your idea, and I'm just baffled by it, that 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 does that's just bothers. It can't be that way. It can't be right, right? Okay, I'm 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 asking someone to agree with me, and I'm just it's just a resounding silence. See, it's just me. I'm trapped in some horrible. It's like a movie. It's like a it's like a bad old 1940s radio drama. I can't it's like a Twilight Zone episode. I'm trapped in the 30 life principles and I cannot find my way out of them. But here I am. After 10 p.m. on a Friday night, while other people are out probably having fun, here I am still trying to figure out the 30 life principles. I I still can't figure them out. So are you ready to at least look at the next five? Now, I, I do want to appreciate, I do appreciate, I don't know, I can't remember who it was. Someone in the, uh, in the Discord channel did try to offer some thoughts and possible explanation to one of the uh, life principles. And, I'm, and at some point I may go back and look at what they've done uh, and, and some of the things they said and try to find those verses and see if it works out. But if you think about it, our look at these 30 life principles then led to our discussion about Balaam and the talking donkey. So it really, I, I, it's just, it just, I'm afraid it's just going to continue to just branch off into different things. But I, I have to, I just have to, I have to follow this. Look, by the time I'm done, there may not, I may, I may have lost every subscriber and every listener, but I just can't let it go. I can't let it go. It, it's like here, whenever I go to bed tonight, I'm probably just going to listen to Charles Stanley sermons all night. Probably, I, I, I don't, I don't know. But I was going to tell a funny story before. What we're going to do here in a minute is look at five more of the life principles, right? I, I, I don't know if it, I don't even know why, but we're going to look at five more of them because we're going to finish this one way or the other. But very, uh, very early on, uh, when we were teaching our children, you know, to to take church notes, well, the first thing we tried to teach them was that it doesn't matter if you agree, disagree, doesn't matter if you like something, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. 
that whoever is doing public speaking, always give them respect by paying attention, right? No matter what it is. School doesn't matter. If someone is standing in front of you speaking, whether you agree, whether you like their style, don't like their style, just at least show respect to whoever is teaching. We didn't even really make it a religious thing. We didn't, we didn't want to make it like, you know, like a, like a negative thing. Like, you know, you're in church and it's going to be this negative thing. We just wanted to, it's just about respect someone. So the first thing we did in trying to teach like church notes is we took a piece of paper and we, we kind of basically, we drew a line from the, in the middle of the page from top to bottom and then right across the page in the middle and basically made four kind of squares and said that as you're listening, if you hear something, just draw a picture in, in each square that kind of something you hear in the sermon, right? So that was like the first way trying to just break, like break the sermon down into pictures that you can draw. It could even be little stick figures, whatever, all right? So that was kind of the first attempt to try to teach taking sermon notes, right? Because they're small and they really couldn't write anything up, but they could color some kind of picture or try to draw something. So sometimes it'd be interesting. Sometimes it wouldn't really have much to do with the sermon, but at least it was them trying to pay attention to the sermon instead of just, you know, doing whatever. Then to try to really help them develop uh, to take notes, we used the Charles Stanley uh, television broadcast because he always, a lot of times, the points of his sermons would be put on the screen, Right. And he would have three or four points. His sermons are always pretty simple, pretty straightforward. But it was just easy to learn sermon note taking from the way he broke it down. And you just, what you tried to demonstrate is that in a sermon, there's kind of like the central theme that may be stated and maybe in a very specific thesis statement. And then there'll be, at some point, there'll be some kind of individual points. Just listen for the points. And at least if you get the points, you'll, when the sermon is over, you'll be able, be able to at least identify what the thesis was and what the basic points were. So we use, so in a sense, Charles Stanley has been around uh, my, my Christian life pretty much for forever, not by any means anywhere close to my favorite preacher, never, never even made the top three, but just was just always around on Christian radio, Christian television. And, um, and then the, their devotional guide, I did, I did one thing I do respect about their ministry is they send out their devotional magazine for free. Um, they didn't charge money. And any ministry that's trying to give you materials for free, I always greatly respect instead of charging for everything. And then, of course, I w- uh, was a student in the Charles Stanley Institute for Christian Living, whatever whatever the name of it was. And uh, so it's been around for a long time. But as I said, I still don't quite understand the 30 Life Principle. Still don't. But here we go. Are you ready? Let's do a quick review. I think we're I think we're going to start with number eleven this evening, and we're just going to go through five. And I don't know. There's one of there's one in in this section that I just absolutely have a major issue with. I have a major issue with, it. and you'll see. Maybe maybe you don't. But here we go. Number one, our intimate our intimacy with God, His highest priority for our lives determines the impact of our lives. So intimacy with God, that's the highest priority for our lives. God's highest priority for our life is that we have intimacy with him and that determines the impact of our lives. And again, is it intimacy or is it glorifying God? We, we talked about this. Number two, I say I'm going to start teaching them all again. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Number three, God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. We talked about that earlier this evening in our ongoing study of Balaam and the talking donkey, right? And I, I, yeah, 
We won't go through that one again. Number four, the awareness of God's presence energizes us for our work. I have major problems with this because how do I, how am I aware of God's presence? This gets very subjective feeling, you know, experience versus something more tangible and objective. Number five, God does not require us to understand his will, just obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. I completely changed the words to this one because I know Charles Stanley's teaching on discovering the will of God, which is he, it's, it's pretty famous teaching of his, and I have major problems with it. Um, even though as an early Christian, I kind of adopted his view, but now I reject it. But so I would say God does not require us to understand everything in his word, just obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. Stated that way, I agree. Then number six, this is the one some people tried to help me figure out. You reap what you sow, more than you sow, later than you sow. And what's interesting, though, they the reaping and sowing, they're not looking at it almost in a, a way about something good or godly. The, the, the way the study guide presents it, it's about sin. So you reap what you sow. In other words, you're going to reap what you plant. You're going to harvest what you plant when it comes to sin, and you're going to end up uh, you're going to end up reaping more than you sow and later than you sow. And and some people try to explain how that could possibly, okay, the later than makes some sense, right? Because when you plant something, right? But then, but when you harvest it, see, I guess the later than you sow, the later, well, I guess, I, I guess that makes sense. So the, the later than when you plant it. So you plant, say you plant sin or you plant godliness, you're going to harvest that later after you plant it. So I guess that makes some sense there. But all right. But again, it uses the book of Judges here, which is just, a, again, an interesting concept. But all right. Number seven, the dark moments of our life will last only so long as it is necessary for God to accomplish his purpose in us. Right? Number eight, fight all your battles on your knees and you will win every time. Okay. Number nine, trusting God means looking beyond what we can see to what God sees. And some of these, we still need to do some more work on. Number 10, if necessary, God, God will move heaven and earth to show us his will. And again, once I have a problem with this one because it's the idea that here's God's will and it's something we have to find, but God's going to move heaven and earth to show you his will. And I guess in some way other than scripture, and I will state it again, God's will is not something that we try to find by a feeling, by some experience, or by some inside voice. If I want to know God's will, I open the Bible and read it. So once again, I, I reject his, his, his principle here. But tonight we start on number 11. All right. Number 11. And I wish I could find all of the audio to all of these 30 principles, because it would be a great series in reviewing all 30 sermons. <laughs> that would be fun. But okay, here we go. Number 11. Are you ready? God assumes full responsibility for our needs. I'll stop right there. Now, that's not the whole thing, but just stopping right there leads to lots of questions and lots of possible problems. God assumes full responsibility for our, all our needs. So if God assumes full responsibility for all my needs, how does that work? Is it is that saying there's a guarantee that if someone puts their faith in Jesus, that 
all your, you're always going to have food. You're always going to have shelter. You're always going to have everything you need. Now, some Christians say that that's an absolute fact, but what about Christians who live in in areas of horrible drought and famine where there's so many people who starve to death and die every day? Are you going to say none of them were believers? How, How do you process that? But here's what's bizarre to me, the way Charles Stanley teaches it. Because the implication of this would be utterly tragic because anyone whose needs are not met Anyone whose needs are not being met, they're starving, they die, they don't get the medicine, they don't get the food, they don't get the shelter, whatever the case may be, their need is not met and they die? Well, Charles Stanley seems to add something to this that would give, well, a reason, give an explanation for why it didn't happen. Here we go. God assumes full responsibility for our needs when we obey him. This says, okay, God does not accept full responsibility to my, for my needs until I obey him. If I am obeying him, he takes full responsibility for my needs. So if I find myself where, quote unquote, my, I end up, who knows what happens, some horrible situation, maybe there's a crash and I'm stuck in the ocean on a raft and I'm dying of dehydration and starvation and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I end up dying, well, then God didn't meet my needs, so is it because I wasn't obeying him? If a building collapsed because a plane crashes into it and I'm trapped and, and my need is to get out, my need is food, my need is water, whatever the case may be, I end up starving to death or, or my need is oxygen and I, and I, and I, and I suffocate. So, so God did not meet my needs, so therefore I didn't obey him? Like, I, I, you, we got to think that one through. God assumes full responsibility. Now, please note, God assumes full responsibility for our needs when, when we obey him. And if you, if you tap on the, the thing, they what's crazy is the scripture that's quoted is from the book of Job. All right? The book of Job. And, <laughs> I, I, okay. Yeah, I don't I don't want to get in. I don't want to go there right now and try to take it all apart. But right there, I'm just I have a hard time with that one. Maybe you don't, but I have a hard time with that one. God assumes full responsibility for our needs when we obey him. So my obedience determines God's responsibility in fulfilling my needs that I just have a hard time with how to wrap my mind around that one. I. That that one, I, I don't know. That one, that one at least raises a red flag to me. Maybe not to you, but see, again, I there's a part of me is like, man, he's been teaching the Bible for 50 years, right? So I, I want to go, yes, but there's a part of me going, what? No. Number 12. Peace with God is the fruit of oneness with God. Peace with God is the fruit of oneness with God. I don't know. I, would we say peace with God is the, is the result of salvation, of reconciliation, of justification? Now, if I, if I tap on the screen... Uh, they they send me or the 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 study 
the, the main scripture is an interesting one. Is Psalm four eight? Now I don't I don't want to go through trying to study each one of these, but I'm just I'm baffled by this one again. See, each time, each one I'm baffled by. Each one. And I know that in churches that teach them, everybody's like, oh, that's good. Amen. Amen. That's good. But I would be the one going, wait, what? Wait, I, I would be the one. No one likes me. No one liked me in church because I was always raising my hand going, wait, what? No, wait, huh? What? Wait, no, I don't understand. No, I didn't. No, wait, what? Like, just say amen, write it down and be quiet. And I'm like, no, I, I can't. But Psalm 4, 8. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me live in safe, uh, safety. I, I don't know exactly how that is answers the question. Um, then they go to 2 Samuel 19. Then 2 Samuel 20. Then 2 Samuel, tw- uh, well, the more in 2 Samuel. And then Psalm chapter 4. I... I don't, I have a hard time with this. They said, okay, th- this is this is, a, this is what it means, their summary. Considering that David had, uh, the whole page just moved. Considering that David had so many enemies, it is difficult to imagine him getting a good night's sleep. However, David knew that he could rely upon God for his safety and peace. This was the result of his faithful work with the Lord. I'm sorry, this was the result of his faithful walk with the Lord. So this idea of peace is the result of your faithful walk with the Lord. David was committed to obeying God and keeping his focus continually on him. Because of that, David had peace even in the worst situations. So it, it seems... So, okay, discuss the trials that you are facing and how you can develop your oneness with Christ. So I have, so this idea of oneness with Christ is something I have to develop. It's something I have to do through Bible reading and prayer. So really what they are saying, let me go back to the point, peace with God is the fruit of oneness with God. It shouldn't be peace with God. It could be the peace of God. You could, you can make an argument that the peace of God, right, that the peace of God that that sustains me in time of trial or difficulty is somewhat connected to my oneness with God, my closeness with God. But peace with God is completely determined by the work of Christ. It's by faith. It's by justification. In fact, I believe, I don't even think they quoted this one. Why would they not quote this passage? Let's see here. Yeah, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. The peace with God has nothing to do with my walk, has nothing to do with my actions. It has to do with the actions of Christ. So I'm, I'm completely baffled why that would they, would they would have this as a life principle, that peace with God is the fruit of oneness with God. No, peace with God is, is the result of justification. It, 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 it we experience because we've been justified. So, so that, that one makes no sense. That, that one is completely baffling. And once again, what's confusing is when I go to those scriptures, why wouldn't you go to a scripture that actually uses the phrase peace with God? 
they go, they're in Psalm, they're in Samuel. See, so, so for me, I don't know how other people would process it. For me, I would be like, wait a minute. Okay, there's the life principle. It may sound good. That sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? Peace with God is the fruit of oneness with God. Ooh, that sounds deep. All right, then I, I go their study guide and I'm like, this, this makes no sense. It's not deep. It, it makes no sense. Number 13, listening to God is essential to walking with God. Listening to God is essential with walking, uh, uh, to walking with God. So if I'm going to walk with God, I have to listen to God. Now, here's the problem. Charles Stanley has this, again, kind of this almost a charismatic teaching when it comes, and he, it, I think Charles Stanley was the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong on that, but I'm almost positive he was. Um, if, I, if I'm wrong, I'll correct that the next time we, we, we talk about this, but I'm almost positive I'm right. I could probably look it up really quick, but I'm almost positive I'm, I'm right. Um, but his, his whole thing about hearing God is, it's, it's like some, it's, again, it's like a feeling. It's like an inner voice. And no, if, I, I, if listening to God is essential to walking with God, then I would say this, the study of God's word is essential to walking with God. I don't listen to some internal voice. I don't listen. If I want to hear from God, I read the Bible. That is the only way I'm going to hear from hitting myself in the head with my Bible, okay? Because I'm getting irritated by every point here that we look at. No, listening, the study of God's word is essential to walking with God. Number 14, God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Charles Stanley is definitely, his life principles are, I think, are law-based are law based and not gospel-based. So many of these are what you do, what you do, what you do. You listen. You do this. You, ha- you have to develop a oneness with God with, with, your, with your devotion and your study. You have to obey God if you want him to be responsible for your needs. You, it's, it's what you do, 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 what you do. Now, he would say, no, 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 no. It's not what I do. It's what God does through me. He would, he would try to word it in a way where it doesn't sound law-based, but it's very law-based. I think our life principles have to be more gospel-based, but that's just me. So God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Number 15, brokenness is God's requirement for maximum usefulness. That is a very interesting life principle. If you want to be, if you want to reach a a level of maximum usefulness for God, for you you want to, you want to be in a position where you have maximum, you're in a position where you can be used by God to, to the maximal level, to the maximum level. Brokenness is going to be that requirement. If you're going to, if you're going to reach the level where you can be used by God in a maximum way, you have to be broken. That sounds good, but 
Now th- this one, this one, I really, I really, I, he's got a book and I don't think I have it here. I probably downstairs. I have a, he has a book on brokenness, which, um, is interesting, but I, uh, here's the thought that's coming to me at 1034 PM on a Friday night. The concept of brokenness has been talked about by a lot of people in church history and devotional material. Like, like we've got to be broken. We have to become broken people. And I think a lot of times we have like, here we are before I'm saved, and that that somehow in the conversion pro- process, we're broken, right? So we're broken over our sin and we come to Christ. But I think there's a level of, there's a, there's a, a level of brokenness that we must experience as a Christian. But here's my concern. What breaks us? Now, some people will say trial and tribulation can break us, and by all means, I agree that it can. But I think that in some cases, what truly breaks us is failure and sin. Now, there's some failure and sin that brings about legal ramifications, obviously, right? You have to go to jail. There can't be a cover-up, right? You you can't have sexual abuse and cover it up. All right. I'm not talking about anything uh, that's illegal that should lead someone to to jail. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just moral failure, sinful failure. I wonder if sometimes... Instead of the church seeing the failure, the sin, as as an opportunity for brokenness, we circumvent the potential for brokenness by simply almost ostracizing, kicking when they're down, and removing instead of instead allowing the brokenness to be the instrument that will lead to maximal maximum usefulness. But before we get to that maximum usefulness, we have to go from brokenness to restoration to usefulness. Was Peter, did Peter reach in a sense usefulness because he denied Jesus three times? See, I think in many churches and in the modern evangelical world, you denied him three times, you're disqualified, you're done. You're done. Get out. You're a failure. But Jesus didn't say you were a failure. He restored him. And then after restoration became usefulness. So I think it must be brokenness, then usefulness, then restoration. I wonder if we if we almost circumvent, we we break, we destroy the potential spiritual value of brokenness because we we just we don't allow the brokenness to we don't bring in the restoration to the brokenness. We just then kick the person while they're down. I don't know, but it, it's an interesting one. And I wonder how, is it like, do you absolutely have to be broken before you can be used? Do you have to be broken before you can be used? I, I don't know if we can make that a dogmatic assertion. And Peter, we see it. But there we have it. There's 15. There's 15. So we made it, we made it through another five. I have some strong disagreements with some of these, 
But again, it's giving us an insight into ideas and concepts and principles that have had some influence on the evangelical world and many churches because this material has been uh, sold for Sunday school curriculum and small group curriculum, and it's been used in many of those settings. There you have it. And you you know what happens once again? This ends, and guess what I feel like? Man, I still don't get it. I still don't understand these principles. I'm still bothered by these principles. So the counseling session didn't work, and none of you had any wonderful insight to help me. So so I'm going to probably be listening to Charles Stanley all night once again, and I'm going to go through books, and and yeah, I got all these books all over the place. And and they're not going to, I don't think they're going to help me. I think think this is, well, yeah, we, we can... I think in some cases, it's a good hermeneutical. In some cases, I think what I would do, I would almost take the 30 Life Principles Study Guide, like if I was teaching a hermeneutics hermeneutics course, and I would bring the 30 Life Principles book, and then I would say, okay, here's the principles. Here's the scripture used to somehow support these principles. All right, use every hermeneutical tool you can come up with and tell me, does this work? And how did he make these work? Because I'm completely baffled by the peace with God is the fruit of oneness with God concept. He's like, if you want peace with God, you got to do something. Well, wait a minute. No, peace with God is the result of justification. It's right there in Romans 5. And somehow in a, in a point about the peace with God, he seemed to let, he, he, I, now maybe, in fact, let me just make sure. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to just scan the pages. So Psalm 4.8 is mentioned. John 14.27 is mentioned. 2 Samuel 19, 1 through 15, and 40 through 43 are mentioned. 2 Samuel 20, 1 through 7 is mentioned. 2 Samuel 20, 15 through 22 is mentioned. Psalm 4 is mentioned. The whole Psalm. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4 is mentioned. Um, John 16, 33 is mentioned. Psalm 62, 5 through 7 is mentioned. That looks like Habakkuk uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 is mentioned. And Deuteronomy 33, 27 is mentioned. And then it goes to the next life principle. They never mention Romans 5, 1. How is that even humanly possible? How? On what, what, what weird, her, like, I don't even understand that. Peace with God is the result of justification, not you, well, you better read your Bible more. You better study more. You better you, you better get close to God because if you want the peace with God, no, if I want the peace of God, isn't there a difference between peace with and peace of? Or am I, am I just crazy? Well, considering how this episode is going, yeah, I probably am crazy, but you see why this book drives me crazy? Because I want to understand them, but he, he doesn't make it easy, right? I understand there's a theological difference, but I, I'm just like, even in a theological difference, if you're going to have a book on 30 life principles and you're going to have a study guide that gives me the Bible passages to prove it, I, I think that no matter what your theological position is, if you're going to talk about the peace with God, you would have to go to Romans 5.1. I mean, wouldn't you? Crazy. All right, I'll stop right there. Uh, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. We're going to finish this. 
I may go, I may go crazy by the time it's over, but we will finish this um, before this weekend is out. We, we have to. We have to before this weekend is out. All right, I'll stop there. I, I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, and we'll be on the air throughout the weekend. So just if you can, listen, and if you can't, have a great weekend. And I guess we'll, 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 I'll, I'll, I guess I won't see you, but I, I'll, I'll see the numbers when they, when they start, when I, the numbers of downloads increase probably on Tuesday when everyone's back to work. So if I don't, in a sense, see you till Tuesday, have a great weekend. But if I do, well, then thanks for, um, well, making us a part of your Memorial Day weekend. Be safe and uh, try to use some time this weekend to, uh, well, feed yourself on the Word of God. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.